the beat, beat. All since notes are fully punctuated. Running the light dot exe. System optimization is less than normal. Server damage detected. Please stop whatever you are doing and make your way to the nearest exit. Technical support is complete. Please vacate the area. I repeat. Please leave. Are you even listening to me? I will shoot you. Error. Server block 3 is experiencing critical ignition. Yes, right. System failure imminent. I hope you are proud of yourself. Initiating the Low Life Podcast. So. This is the Low Life Podcast, and we're down a guy this week because no. we we killed and ate him. Um, <laughs> We've been on a cannibalism kick for a few episodes now. I just, I don't know. I was trying to think up a better story, but uh, no, uh, Shadow Link is, is busy. He's got some stuff going on, and uh, you know he's he's sitting this one out, working on the the, the database real fucking hard, and. Um, so we're, we're just, we, we got to put something out and I, uh, have been putting this together. Well, I mean, first of all, I, I'm, I'm, I'm coin ops, Miguel Cuddy, yeah. your uh, host, and, and this is the, uh, another host, uh, Scum. Hello. Yeah. And we are today, oh, just sit back, you know, put your feet up because we're, we're going to, we're going to talk about something that isn't like, I don't know, subscription based heated seats <laughs> for a fucking change. Which I'm already seeing reports that people like are trying to pirate and hack them and stuff, which is amazing. Cool. So, uh, but, but this week, and uh, it, depending on how long this goes, this might break, break up into two episodes. I want to prepare you for that up front. But uh, this week, we're going to be talking about uh, one Richard Buckminster Fuller. Oh yeah, yeah. I am so excited for this. <laughs> Me too. This this was a lot of fun. I, I did a I did a ton of reading on it and uh, watched like one of his uh, seminars and um listen to a couple of different like podcast episodes about him and stuff just to kind of get some outside color for mm-hmm. it and um yeah i got a lot of notes and i left a lot out so just up top i'd like to say to you listener look into this guy like even after you listen to yeah. these things because there is some this is a hell of a rabbit hole and you can't really overstate like how cool this guy was there's so much like I was so aware, much. I was aware of him for a while, but like his works are grand in scale. His thoughts, beliefs, everything about him, his yeah. name, you know? <laughs> Richard Buckminster Fuller. That's so Incredible. fucking just out of the gate, epic, and you know. But everybody called him Buckminster Fuller. He he would go by our Buckminster Fuller, like when he wrote books and stuff later on. Um, he uh, was also affectionately known as Bucky. So you're going to be hearing us call him Bucky or Fuller throughout the course of this uh, jibber jab. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, let's just, you know, let's crack one open and start where it starts. <laughs> <clears throat> he was uh, he was born on July 12th, 1895. So he was an architect, a systems theorist, writer, designer, inventor, poet, philosopher, and futurist. This is like his, over the course Jesus. of his entire life. Yeah. He held no degrees despite getting into Harvard, but then he was expelled from Harvard uh, twice. That's the way to do it. The first that's time. What you do. This is how he did it, yes. which was amazing. The first time he was expelled from Harvard, he was expelled because he spent his entire year's tuition 
just getting fucking wasted with a vaudeville troupe on one weekend. One weekend, he spent his entire tuition. That that's what's up. That is a level. And what year would this have been? Like that oh, he's God, doing this, this? Been like this is like God, this would have been nineteen, like eleven. No, oh, this, this is like, like a later time drunk. Yeah, this is like right before, like right at the edge of World War One, you know, like Fuck. right before that started happening. Everybody's still having kind of a good time, you know oh, what I mean? Oh, bad. Yeah, he was, he, was, was well, he was born. He was born the day the first automobile was sold, and like the first radio transmission was made, like wow. he, he or like the same year, you know. So like this guy came up like on the cusp of technology as we know it, mm-hmm. which is like. And this shit blew his mind, and it would have because before you had to like write a letter and then like walk fucking three miles to a post office, and then that guy had to throw it in a bag, and then it had to go on a boat, and then that boat took like three fucking months to go across the ocean, and then some schmuck on the other end had to take a look through all that shit, (laughs) sort it, figure out what your chicken scratch meant. And then try to get it to the person uh, you intended to get it to. So, like, you, you'd send like slow. Yeah, you'd be sending like two letters a year. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. And he was. Oh, wait for your reply. And in that time, you would have grown three beards. You know, like it's. Just, I mean, I appreciate the fact that he just didn't look at it in like sheer adjacent terror as many people did. Yeah. You know. So he gets he gets he gets kicked out of fucking Harvard, and he goes to work in this textile mill and like revamps their entire production facility. Like they're <laughs> suddenly way more efficient. They're like kicking ass. They're like making money like hand over fist and stuff like that. And then Harvard, of course, is just like, well, all right, you can come on back. Hardly any Irish died during the, during this, during this, we will bring you back. I, to can't, I, I can neither uh, confirm nor deny this. Um, uh, <laughs> we just fed Irish into, into the mill. No, that's great. Yeah, he, that's incredible. He, yeah. And then Harvard's like, yeah, come on back. And then, so he's at Harvard for a little bit and he's just like, you know what? Fuck these fraternities. Like, fuck yeah. bullshit. Like, and, and then he got kicked out again. Uh, for his uh, quote irresponsibility and lack of interest, I so feel this dude. <laughs> That's so great. He just looked at all these secret societies. He's like, Nah, I'm okay. <laughs> no, I wouldn't even that. It was just like, look, this is the guy who spent a year's tuition whoring it up, <laughs> and then these guys are like, Hey, man, okay, so everybody's got to put their dicks out, and y'all got to piss on Mike. You know, like that's <laughs> not the same. That's fair enough, you know. The other one is just like leverage they'll use against you later in life. God, he would have used so many drugs. He may have, for all we know. So he leaves fucking Herbert again and he goes and just just goes and becomes a certified machinist. He's like, let me just learn how to run like lathes and presses and shit. Yeah, I feel this guy. Yeah, seriously. Um, But then like, I would put his experience against purely like theoretical abstract book learning any day because this is what this his ability to manage things which didn't always work out for him but um his ability to like manage things and see the bigger picture uh-huh. it was really a benefit to him especially since like back then things were still very complicated but not to the degree they are yeah, now there like, weren't as many steps between you and a couch well this makes me wonder yeah. like what was his childhood like for him to like oh, be yeah. this he, way well his his aunt was um Oh, fuck me. She was the editor of a magazine, like a big magazine back in the day. Huh. Like she she was like she bought three islands off the coast of Maine and he'd spend his summers it, on one of them. Excuse me. Right. Yeah. But they were like little tiny things. There'd be like a house on. You know what I mean? It wasn't like island. It was more like island, you know? Yeah, but still. And like... <laughs> he would. Uh, well, he, he had a love of the sea from that. 
and sure. he was a pretty decent sailor like when he would go to get his fucking mail every day he would row two miles to go get the mail and then row two miles back every day Ooh, so this dude in fucking shape i was gonna say i've seen all the pictures i've ever seen of, of bucky as him as like during as an old man so yeah it's frail old dude so yeah, he, was count- then, he was a shit house Fuck you know, like, so you know and, and he uh he also worked as a, like a laborer in a meatpacking industry. Oh, that must have been like, fun. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way that was fun. No, absolutely I, not. There's fucking yeah. fingers going in the cans. His name Sinclair Lewis wrote about this shit. You know, yeah. like it ain't great. <clears throat> but then he was also a Navy man. Okay. Having served in World War One as a ship-based radio operator. In fact, one of the first. Huh. Um, I think... And there was a podcast. This guy was uh, being interviewed. It was a really, oh God, I have to look it up and uh, let you know what it was. Cause it was a very good episode. This guy knew Bucky's daughter and like spent time working with the society and stuff like that. He had tons of information and cool anecdotes. I uh, wasn't going to grip and like grab too many of those. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that's cheap. But uh, <laughs> the, he, he did mention this one time that like Bucky might've been involved in the first transatlantic uh, broadcast. Wow. And, while he was a navy man and it's very important that you remember like this dude was a sailor like not only did he row like to get mail and shit but, yeah like, he, he sailed for fucking fun and knew how to do it which is wildly complicated yes like i've looked into it and just just the terminology you know what i mean like it's to just, do it by yourself i'd be getting whacked in it well it was like a one-man sailboat i'd be getting whacked with the fucking mast oh, or yeah, whatever no. the fuck we would just die regular like, we would just get yeah, knocked I'm, overboard and this is like what 19 1911 1920 so like yeah yeah like as a as a kid, he did this growing up. Well, here's another fun little anecdote about when he was a kid. He, when he was five, he was nearsighted. Right? He thought the world looked like he just accepted that was what the world looked like—just shapes and shadows and stuff. And when he put glasses on, it blew his fucking mind. Hell yeah! Like it absolutely blew his fucking. Well, that's mind. what happened to like, me when what? I first got my glasses. Like I was like, "Holy sure. shit! This is like everything's in HD. I could see, and I'm not getting he- headaches all the time. That's incredible." Because it's like you yeah. just, man, that's fucking perception and reality just right you don't realize well, so and, and this happened at such an early age for him that that's an imprint you know what i mean oh, like yeah. that's something you're definitely gonna like i remember my first pair and it was just like oh shit hey, why, what the fuck i was going and they're so you know? common we don't think about like the deeper implications of that of, like if you never had the things you would never known like like people who are yeah. colorblind you know and they give them like those glasses where they can see color <laughs> you know yeah. you don't think about it yeah well like it's so while he was in the navy in addition to being this like naval radio operator um he kept a chronograph which is kind of like you know like the ship's record like every 15 minutes he'd take a note every 15 minutes he'd take a note and you know it's just like based on position and he was he always considered that like sailors to be like the first kind of like 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 science you know people because they had to use so many different things that you know the sextant and the compass like they were using yeah. technology to navigate and it, they were using it simultaneous technologies to navigate yeah that which makes he sense. always really really appreciated and then you throw radio on top of that and it's just like fuck man this is nuts so while he was also doing all that in the navy he was also the editor of a publication and the commander he, he became commander of the crash rescue boat the uss inca now hmm. while while he was in the navy so he he invented this specialized winch which was supposed to pull like downed aircraft out of the water okay or pilots you know like if a pilot's like swimming around because they they ejection seat give me a break they didn't have that you know? yeah this no you're you're in the you're in the metal coffin yeah 
You're, well, you're not even that. You're talking biplanes. Like these things are just basically made out of sheets in a fucking oh, frame. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you're not getting a water landing out of that. You might, you know, as well as you would think. Yeah. And that thing's going to go notes first down. The problem is when this thing would like hook onto the boat or the pilot, it would invert them. <laughs> and so, yeah. So you get a little drowny. It didn't work great. Um, but, uh, I had a hard time kind of corroborating this story. It was like mentioned on the stuff to blow your mind podcast episode about him, which is really good, but I couldn't find like another source or anything about like this winch. I, I really looked it up and I just couldn't fucking I was probably it. lost a time just because it just did not work oh, out. No, no, there's, there's gotta be a record of it because there's like crazy shit. He did that. No one talks about that. There's a record. I was able to find. Um, there's one thing I regret not looking up, but I'll talk about that later. Okay. It just, I, I kept forgetting it. You know, it was just like one of those things where I was like, I got to put that in. So there. do you just, yeah, just like, so when it's like his early career, like, do you just like regularly invent things that we just don't talk about? Well, he wanted to help, but like, I think he had, he, it was just in him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like to like put things together differently. Like there was another anecdote about how, like when he was a kid, they would do that thing where you'd get like moistened peas and toothpicks to make a house. <laughs> and like all the other kids were making like a box house with like a, you know, triangular roof. Sure. You know, he was doing like hexagons and shit, <laughs> you know, like hmm. making these like weird kind of jungle gym looking things, which we're going to get into. But like okay. the idea was very early in him, like this idea of strength in through like minimal, you know, like trying to do more with less like that. That was his big credo is trying to yeah. be as efficient as possible at every step of the way. And um, huh. so like like after the the, the Navy. He worked as a manager at a meatpacking joint again. So after, you know, oh man, imagine getting through World War One. And to be fair, he lucked out because he was the Navy at least. Is uh, which no, 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 dude. Yeah, that was like World War One was like the only time in naval history where like modern battleships could see each other and fire at each other on the horizon. Oh, okay, so it was such. like ex- like that. It wasn't better. So like know? everything like, about World War One, everything was just extra terrifying. Yeah, it, they, it's just like they didn't have that X factor of submarines. You know what I mean? Like, oh, okay. Well, they, well, they kind of did, but they weren't like they were. Oh, they could still you know get I mean? like boarded and axed to death. Okay. Yeah, there were torpedoes. Like there was, you know, you'd still get pretty fucked up. But it was a lot of line of sight. There wasn't that over the horizon kind of artillery mm, show okay. going on. Um, so he gets so, through and that, then, and he goes. So he gets through that, gets and go back he, to he starts work. Yeah, he's working at a meat packing joint, oh. and he he marries Ann Hewlett in 1917. Hmm. And he starts uh, he starts this business with his father-in-law in the early uh, 1920s uh, for the stockade building system, which was like an early attempt at a fully featured modular home. Okay. This is in, interesting. Like, but it, the, the company folded did, in 1927. Did this predate the Sears catalog homes, like those modular ones? This might have been that idea. Fuck. You know, like, but, but these were like circular. They were on like a stump, you know, oh, like weird. kind of above the ground a little bit. Um, and, and like up to this point, uh, like Bucky's life, it, he had some successes, but it was a relentless series of tragedies and disappointments. Hmm. So like hmm. I should ma- mention that like, so he, he marries, you know, in Hewlett in 17, they have a daughter. And in 1922, his first daughter dies of polio and it's spinal meningitis before Ugh. her first birthday, you know. And his the, his grief over this is why he threw all his energy into the Stockdale build or the Stockade Building Company. Yet, when he lost his job as president of Stockade as well as the company itself, he just started to spiral. He he really like 
you know, here it is, 1927. Okay. Yeah. He's tried his fucking best. His daughter has been dead for like a few years, you know, and he's just, he beats himself up over it. Like he, you know, he doesn't quite blame himself, but just the, yeah, it's the sheer sadness of can't it. Can't you know imagine. I mean? Like it, right. I can't either. Couldn't it's imagine. So he drank heavily. You know, his and his wife's family, like his his father-in-law, like they had sunk all their money into stockade and they were now broke. Oh, so like everyone's fucked, not even just him. Right. And then he had another daughter, like a newborn, that he had to care for. And he just there's nothing. Like it's this desolate, it's the fucking you know, it's it's the stock market crash. Yeah. Is it starting to bubble up around here? Okay. This is like two years before the crash. Oh so, man, he's just that's yeah no mm. he's he's bottoming out like this is this is he's in free fall sounds familiar to that's ominous yeah 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 totally totally nothing anyone can relate to listening to this uh, yeah or speaking on it um so one night on a long walk in chicago in the autumn of 1927 bucky fuller considered suicide by drowning in lake michigan so his family would at least get an insurance payout oh that never works it just it breaks your fucking heart well, yeah i mean this was early enough that they might not have gotten i mean because the double indemnity doesn't come out until like years later yeah that's, anyway. that's devastating now so like but what happened next changed everything like he had this fuller said that he felt as though he was suspended several feet above the ground and closed in a sphere of white light what? and then a voice spoke to him it said from now on you need never await temporal attestation to your thought you think the truth you do not have the right to eliminate yourself you do not belong to you you belong to the universe your significance will remain forever obscure to you but you may assume you're fulfilling your role if you apply yourself to converting your experiences to the highest advantages of others well he's basically like hi philip dick what like yeah yeah oh my god yeah yeah big time right and you know like whether he did levitate in a sphere of white light or not, the point is, is that whatever he thought in that moment, this is how he decided to break it down and explain it. Yeah. This is this was the pivot, you know. That's this big. That's incredible. Like it's it, fucking it, awesome. It's a mixture of like, well, in Phil Dick's case, residual drug use and mental illness. In his case, just could be just him dealing with his grief, and you don't the, you know, massive the, sadness, a collapsing society, and nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like the daughter uh, you're responsible for. Like all of the pressure was well, hitting even, this guy. Even the want to commit suicide can be like a form of temporary mental illness. You know, like being suicidal is. Yeah, sure. Is you, you don't even have to be. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll put that out there uh, because, like, like I tried. Yeah, uh, when I was like 23, and it did, dude. I I had something similar, but it wasn't. It was more like I put a gun in my mouth, and it didn't go off. Yeah. So then I tried to shoot again, and it didn't go off. And I was like, okay, then I guess I'm here for the duration. Yep. You're fine. Like, you're stuck with, you're stuck with me, buddy. Yeah. I guess, uh, you know, I just got to wait for the old ticker to run out on its own then, you know? And it, it was a, there was an insane, like, it was just a beautiful autumn day that I did it. It wasn't like I was sad. It was just like, huh. And I don't know why to this day, I still don't understand it, but like, that's a, I, you will have an epiphany. It's just, I would not recommend trying that. Yeah. No, don't, don't, don't do that. <laughs> Yeah, don't don't do this. It's no. not great. Just take from people who've been through it and yeah. trust us. There are easier ways to find enlightenment, and that ain't one of them. You know. Yeah, you can you could totally reach uh, like just a, a a climax of thought. You yeah. know, if, think extremely intensely upon something, and it will happen. Because it's happened to me several times since. Oh yeah, or maybe take a little bit of acid. I don't know. Yeah, like that worked real good too. You know, and that was far less harmful. Um, yeah. 
some shrooms, but, uh, you know, that's a good experience. Yeah, just, just like bend your head a little bit, you know, let your ego die. Um, uh, and that's basically what he did here. He experienced like massive ego death. Yeah. Um, which is crazy considering what I'm going to tell you later, like <laughs> the things, well, the, the way he approached himself, and I, I don't mention this really until like the end, but he, he referred to himself as Guinea pig B. <laughs> and wow. I'll, I'll get into, well, I'll get into why. Cause it's kind of a cool idea. Like, I don't know. So this, this, this experience, this transcendent, insane, crazy moment of just lucidity and, and connectedness to all things. Uh, yeah. It kind of would be the moment to, propel him to begin to experiment to begin his life again basically as an experiment and this is why he called himself guinea pig b he literally considered his life from like this point on to be an experiment huh. um that's to find, wild it was it, it, it was to quote an experiment to find what a single individual to, could contribute to changing the world and benefiting all humanity like he was seriously that's like beautiful you don't yeah. people don't talk like that anymore like, no. you don't hear that where someone literally sets out to be like well I guess I got to change the world <laughs> and in a good way, like yeah. not in a way where it's like, I'm going to be the dictator or just like, or it's, well, it's not, he, he wasn't really like trying to be necessarily like the center of attention. Yeah. He just, he, he had a knack for things. He was very talented in, in terms of like engineering and design and stuff like that. Um, I mean, like I said, he's a cartographer. We're going to get into that. Like he was just this, like, I think that he was the reason why, like, Robert Heinlein had that whole spiel with Lazarus Long about how specialization is for insects. Yeah. Because, like, if you, you know, like, people who get too good at one thing at the exclusion of all others are just, what happens when that is no longer needed? Like, you yeah, know what I mean? It's convenient like, for capitalism for you to do that, but it's not for, like, you as a surviving I mean, I can, animal. I can see it if you're into, like, research. Sure. And and you're doing like bleeding edge stuff or trying to shore up like what we already know. I can I can get that, but I don't get or like surgeon. You know, like I don't I don't want somebody to be like a Swiss Army knife of surgery. Fair enough. Yeah, you got me there. Unless you're on, you know, like a field medic, that's a different animal. You sure. Know? But like, anyway, Bucky decides to get his shit together. Is the point? God, and imagine he just walks through the door. His wife is like, "Hey, where you been?" And he's just wide eyed like it's like beaming, oh. and she's like you're drunk and you're drunk and he's like no <laughs> i've seen the face of god you know like yeah like i have <laughs> it's like very howard yeah, this exactly. moment. exactly yeah. oh man he just like <laughs> his brain is producing lsd before lsd was even invented like mm-hmm. he's there yeah no yeah like when people talk about a transcendent experience it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with like whether or not there's a god or a spirit or anything no. above that your brain can do crazy shit to make you think shit. Yeah, buddy. Without drugs, you know. Yeah, like, buddy. Extreme stress could trigger it, and it did. You know, and uh, and he he got his shit together in this huge way. He wanted literally like he wanted nothing less than to think independently in order to quote search for the principles governing the universe and help advance the evolution of humanity in accordance with them. Basically, he wanted to figure out how to do more with less, like I've been saying. Yeah, but we're talking about like on a cosmic scale, right? Like. Well, yes and no. Okay. Because, like, instead of working from, like, a problem from the bottom up, he started top down. And even, like, to his own admission, he knew that was going to produce fuck-ups. Because you can't possibly know everything. But what you do is you start throwing shit against the wall and refining it quickly. And you you can start from a place of, like, okay, you dream big. All right, why'd this fail? Okay, well, now we got to fix that part. And now it seems to work. 
okay, cool. Moving on. You know, I'm just and thinking. And this guy came up with tons of shit. Yeah. I'm thinking too of like how fortunate was he was an engineer because this could have gone in so many different directions. Oh, yeah. No. Excuse absolutely. me. Self-taught engineer, but still legit. Well, like, you know, guys like, like fucking Musk wish they were him. Exactly. Like, like he, he's trying to be this, like, I do all this. Day. No, you don't. You just bought the company and sued yeah. for ownership. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's all. Or foundership. You know, like this dude. Exactly. Started and lost more companies, but like the things that came out of the ideas, those at the products still kind of ring around mm-hmm. today. Like you've, I'm certain you've seen his work. Like I guarantee it. We'll get I guarantee it. if you've like been outside in the world, <laughs> you've seen something influenced by his work. Like I, I just, it's insane. But yeah, uh, anyway, so he, he started hanging out in Greenwich village. As you um, do. Yeah, he was just like hanging out with the Bohemians at Romany Marie's, which was like kind of the hotbed for, you know, Bohemianism around the entire first half of the fucking 20th century. Like from 1900 to 1950, that's where everybody went. Yeah, like yeah. that's where all your your poets and your writers and shit went. Yeah. And um, he, he offered to like redecorate the place for meals. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. So he just like hung shelves and shit and they'd give him a sandwich and some coffee, Aww. you know. And then, like, he would throw these, like, informal lectures a few times a week where he would just, like, talk about shit and, like, the way he saw things. Huh. And it wasn't, like, you know, weird culty way. He was just, he's hanging out you with, know, like, was, other intellectuals and they're bouncing ideas off Yeah, each you know, other. I was going to think that where I'm like, if he was a different man, this could have became a cult very easily. 100%. Like, this yeah. could have gone in very weird places. <laughs> like, and this is still oh. weird, but, like, this could have gone in more negative places if he was a different man. But, yeah. like, that's, because, oh, man. Well, he, he, he made a choice that, yeah. like. He was he was like he actually saw kind of like life as this uh, precious and spectacular thing because it was so brief, especially, you know, coming out of fucking World War. He's not long, you know, but he's also working in like a meatpacking facility and like old machine shops and shit, man. They didn't have like yellow lines to walk through in those shops back in the day. You're getting maimed. People are getting maimed, (laughs) ending up in the cans, you know, like your your odds on keeping all your fingers are real fucking slim. You know, it's just. There were no warning, safety trips, nothing. You know, this piston is going when it goes. Yeah, this is Chicago too, right? So like, this is well, like, no, no, this is everywhere. This was like in Maine. This was in like Massachusetts, New York. This this motherfucker moved around. He didn't get to. Oh, okay. Like, but I think at this point, like when he is in Chicago, like that's where he's moved to New York. You know, because now he's in Greenwich Village. Yeah, like this guy just hopped because you, huh. you could do that back then like you could you know, yeah like once you start doing some shit well, people need to migrate for work you know the depression just happened so you know right and and this is you know what you did i guess to kill you could greenwich village and when you're basically unemployed and homeless <laughs> yeah imagine imagine well there he met Osamu noguchi an american artist and landscape architect and they became lifelong friends they'd like work together on stuff like over time now by 1948, after all this kind of gallivanting and shit, Fuller taught at Black Mountain College, North Carolina. But he was kind of like shy and withdrawn. How'd get, like he, how'd he get that gig? Well, well, he it seemed kind of odd given his penchant for like lectures, yeah. Romany Marie's. But you know, there and I can attest to this. There's a vast fucking gulf between like talking things out over coffee or a couple of beers in a small room with some people. And delivering a prepared lesson to a class. Yeah. Like me with half a bottle of Jack Daniels getting on stage at the Metro. To, I don't even remember what I talked about. Versus me having to prepare a, uh, a lesson plan for a group of like fourth graders. I would rather 
be torn apart on stage. <laughs> I would rather the, the audience come up onto the stage and rip me limb from limb than have to like disappoint <laughs> yeah, no, a fucking I, kid. You know? Yeah, like, totally. I couldn't imagine like doing that at all. Right. So somebody there talked him into participating in a theatrical performance produced by composer John Cage. What the fuck? Who was also there at the time. What yeah, the fuck? Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. hey, you were touched by God. Do you want to teach? Also, there are <laughs> really famous fucking people here. It's like, what? Yeah, minimalist composer. Uh, one of my favorites. Um, you know, he's got that one piece that's just nothing but silence. What the fuck? Like, was it like four minutes, 13 seconds? I keep saying it where like, we do like historical episodes where I'm like, it was a better time in some ways. Because like, oh, yeah, you can just yeah. do things. It's like, what? Well, like, and, and the thing, like he's doing this and he's really nervous. So he ends up getting some acting and performance instruction from Arthur Penn. Who would go on to direct Bonnie and Clyde and Little Big Man? What the fuck? You know, like <laughs> this, he was. Yeah, so he, he, this, he's talking to the right dude. Everything is just aligned perfectly. Just the time and the place. Well, that I can't remember what it is. It was it was like one of these like Khalil Gibran books or something. But there was just like the, or Paul Coelho. Um, it, it, there was this like line in one of them that always stuck with me about how like you know the thing you want is just beyond the moment of giving up and yeah i mean yeah you, that'll it, that yeah that just that's heavy shit just gotta work know, through like, your own bullshit to get to the other end man <laughs> like well it's not even that like it's happened to me like when i gave up like i'd get the thing i was looking for i'm like oh fuck all right you know you just you mm -hmm. just throw your hands up and be like i don't know do i deserve it and then sometimes it, you do you know mm -hmm. and it's 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 weird shit but anyway so he's doing all of that and um this helped Bucky to just kind of get in front of a crowd and throw down. And by that, I mean, he started giving like 10 hour lectures. Ooh. I mean, this motherfucker get up in front of a class and talk and talk and talk. But here's the thing. Like people loved him. I'm like, no sure. One, no one was just like, I gotta, I gotta go. I mean, he would start at like nine in the morning and go to like four in the afternoon and shit. And then like hang out after. Yeah, I was going to say he must've been another three, four yeah, hours. Yeah. Yeah. You know what like, I mean? like, yeah. Because he was blowing minds, you know? He's he's talking about, like, a new way of doing things. And it was at Black Mountain where, with the help of the students, he reinvented the geodesic dome. <laughs> I say reinvented because... Describe the dome first, for those who may not know. Okay, the geodesic dome is basically, you take, a, a like, a 1D20 and cut it in half. Huh. There you go. Okay. And honest to God. Yeah. yeah. No, it's you're not like wrong. A, That's way more precise than I, okay. And, and again, I'm going to throw that to the guy who was talking on that podcast. Like he, he said that. I was like, I can see this in my brain now. You know, <laughs> I, <clears throat> let me tell you, I, like in preparation for this, I tried to read his book, Synergetics, and it hurt me. <laughs> yeah. In in good ways like it's sure. really interesting but it's kind of like trying to read stand on zanzibar or <laughs> clockwork orange or <laughs> okay train spotting like you need to start doing it out loud with your mouth for a little bit until you can hear the voice in your Ooh, head and just yeah. like i've read his work i've he, read some of his thoughts on like work basically like more of his like political stuff like that oh no no yeah yeah his like lecture quotes and stuff are fucking great yeah his uh the stuff he wrote like he, he self-published a book very early i can't remember the name of it but it was like just kind of like an idea on but he had this problem with the way we fucking learned. That was his big issue. Hi. Because he's yeah. he's a bit of a, you know, omni-math, really. You know, like, this guy is just interested in something. He fucking goes for it, and then he figures it out. And, like, it's bonkers what he got into. You know, like, what he ended up building and stuff. 
Ah, oh, I love this guy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so now the first the first one of these domes they built, it was about like like three meters tall, like fourteen feet or oh, something. What year is this you'd say? Uh forty eight ish. Okay. 47, 48, 49. And um, the first one they built, uh, or they attempted to build, it collapsed like almost immediately. Mm. And this didn't even remotely dissuade Bucky at all. He saw the failure as being pretty much a step on the path to one that worked. Like, this is such an important thing to embrace failure as a process toward a goal that none of us fucking, like, that's not something America cherishes. It's not taught to us at all. Well, no, no, we don't celebrate. We, we don't, don't celebrate. No. Like what we dunk on the failures, like to the point where it it it, it, it like hinders progress. You know, like there are people who are really legitimately trying to do some cool shit. It, it doesn't work out, but there's something there, and then no one does anything with it. And so many times, especially in these days, that we don't even bother fucking with like monopolies or trusts. <sighs> they just buy the company and let it die. Yeah. You know, it, it, God, we got to come to fucking terms with this shit. You know, because it's we we should have like better cell phones than we have. I think we like should have generations a beyond. We have. Well, our, our fucking internet infrastructure, our roads, our fucking you know bridges, like all of that shit should be taken care of. But nah, I guess some fucking Lex Luthor bastard needs a half billion dollar yacht. So, yeah, uh, I mean, of course. Fuck these hoarders. Anyway, yeah, exactly. And it should be mentioned here too that, like, like I said, Fuller reinvented the geodesic dome. He's known for it worldwide. He is known for it, but. The first patent was actually given to a Dr. Walther Bowersfield, hmm. Bowersfield, sorry, who created and built the first one and through it was awarded in 1925 the patent in Germany. Huh. Fuller won an American patent about a quarter of a century later and didn't mention Bowersfield in the application, which is kind of a dick move, but you got to remember the context. Like I said, it might take like months for shit to like get across you know what i mean yeah how and is domes, he supposed to know like right he might not have known this might have been a thing that like or or you know it might have been one of those things where he just kind of like heard it it was like in that way that i sent a i sent a comic script to a uh renowned comic book writer mm-hmm. um who shall go on name but like was very fucking cool about it and they said hey uh i can't even open this file like legally for several reasons because i might look at it and then some idea from it would like show up in my work later and then i I put i expose myself to you suing me and i was like i wouldn't (laughs) well first off i wouldn't do that because i don't think this thing's gonna get fucking made and second of all i don't think my ideas are that precious because i keep coming up with them nonstop. you know what i mean like it's just it's fine i could cut that one loose i don't have like a favorite idea that i obsess over it happens like Like, it's inevitable but also it you got to think about the geopolitical context too the year it happened you know, we just had a war yeah, with them. Like it's yeah, 1925 Germany this is like post World War One. No, you yeah, know, it's gonna get lost. Everybody's it's the Roaring Twenties, man. Everybody's like you know, blowing their tuition on vaudeville and beer. <laughs> yeah, I don't see him like ever coming across this. Honestly, like there's that like I this, more than most, I would give that a possibility. Like yes. you know, that's that's what literally never and, came across it. And well, like here's the differences though. Bowersfeld could support a skin of concrete like basically they would just kind of like panel it and then put concrete on it and that would you know make it a little more durable and stuff like that that brings up actually a question i had of so what does the dome do okay well we're i'm gonna get to that okay yeah so but fuller's could sustain its own weight with no practical limits just based on its like formation Hmm. just based on how he arranged things so like 
basically what it is like fuller's dome would be 14 feet in diameter and constructed of aluminum aircraft tubing and a vinyl plastic skin in the form of an icosahedron hmm. which is basically kind of that's your 20-sided die yeah and you've seen what this is basically on a, most playgrounds like if you've ever been to a playground and you have the dome like instead of monkey bars oh, okay yeah, yeah yeah that's that's bucky no, they don't really like have those bucky. anymore no, but they that shit was everywhere back, back in the day. day. Yeah, it was pretty epic. They didn't give a shit. I remember one that was made of like iron and steel with concrete. Oh, they all were made of steel. Yeah, no, right. there was like broken glass beneath it and the fucking grass. Oh, yeah, yeah, fucking kids fell off it, break, like break every bone in their body. It was incredible. Rust Belt Playgrounds, bro. Hell Let me tell you. yeah. That's that's a whole vibe. Uh, anyway. Shit. But around this time, so, you know, Fuller was like, hey, we figured it out. We got this thing. It works. And so he founded Geodesics Inc. And he secured a contract to make domes for the U.S. Marines. And, like, their whole idea was that they'd be able to, like, you know, this is the 40s, so they'd be able to just basically kind of hitch a helicopter to it and then drop it where they need it. Okay, why? For just a very convenient, lightweight shelter. Uh, okay. And then, like, the, the line advances, helicopter picks it up, moves it up. You know, oh, so like just like a of, mobile bunker yeah kind of right instead of making a jeep or like a bunch of dudes carry poles you know you just had this thing it was like bloop, bloop, tent you know granted instant tent instant tent but it was hardened you know but light so it, it wasn't gonna okay. be necessarily bulletproof or like artillery proof but it, it might deflect a bullet you know you get enough concrete on there sure anyway the real innovation here is that it's in the stability of the structures, like owing to what he called tensegrity. This motherfucker makes up so many cool words. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's embarrassing. It's one of those things where you're just like, oh, but oh, fuck. That's such a good word. I wish I, I had hate the, myself for nothing. Yeah, I was going to say, I wish I, I had the confidence to be able to do that. You know, like there's comes a point of intelligence where he's like, he could just make up words and it's not silly. Yeah, no, they because this is like, you know, again, he was. Oh, man. Yeah, I, we were going to go back to the 20s and 30s okay. because like we're jumping ahead a little bit. We're going to jump around a little bit because it's just fun. It doesn't matter. You know, like <laughs> they need to make a goddamn like miniseries about this fucker. They really like, do. Because they, they couldn't do a movie. They couldn't do a movie. Like he's just batshit insane. I'm trying to think of who I'd even cast in the role. And it's like... <laughs> anyway, so tensegrity is basically a portmanteau of uh, tensional integrity. Huh, that's good. And it's, it's like it's like the push pull that keeps the thing in place. Uh, suspension bridges. There's, yeah. Right, right, right. But this was like super efficient because it was dependent upon itself. Like the whole thing was freestanding. Like it, it just based on how it was put together. That's it was like, hard. Um, it was hard. Oh, fuck, I can't remember the cathedral, but it's one of the Italian ones from like back of the Renaissance when um, it was a freestanding dome, but it was made of brick. And the idea is. is oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Bonkers. Yeah, it's bonkers. It's insane because the dude who the architect who invented it was crazy. <laughs> But right it's, and it shouldn't have worked it, it should have yeah. worked he actually put his life on the line doing it where he went on the boards and actually went in there and everyone was like cro like praying like dude you're gonna kill yourself and i'm like i'm gonna fucking prove it works and yeah. you know like it he was right it, it's like anything and they're all held together just based on gravity it's it blows my mind when i see pictures of it anything freestanding in architecture is insane to me right and what like his his whole like tensegrity was like this like structural principle it's kind of based on a system of isolated components under compression inside a network of continuous tension and arranged in such a way that the compressed members, you know, usually like bars or yeah. struts or studs or something, they don't touch each other. 
while the pre-stressed tensioned members, usually cables and tendons that are like spanning between these like poles, they delineate the system, you know, spatially. <laughs> like it just, it's, this is all abstract bonkers bullshit, but it's like if you take three toothpicks and you, you make a, like a, kind of like a, like a tripod out of it. All right. But you have them intersect in the middle of the toothpicks. And then you put like rubber bands or not rubber bands, but they, like the, that's where you put the tendons between the ends of all of these. So there's like yeah. three on the bottom, three on the top. And then you just set that thing up and it'll just hang out. And it's because like all of the stuff is there to keep it, you know, but the, the three middle toothpicks don't touch each other. They're just slightly off. It's so what is this thing just floating in space. Nah, it's, rock fucking solid wow. like it's using gravity against itself basically to like, <laughs> that oh god that makes my brain hurt well like he, he had this other thing like like getting into the words he didn't like use an up or like uh yeah like up or down oh yeah because that's too normal for him well he also didn't like saying things like like worldwide okay because he's like we're it's based on the like the flat earth idea which had since been quite disproven so he's like they were calling it flat earth, even though this thing is a sphere, a sphere doesn't have width. It has diameter and volume. So why are we using this word? We should say world round because it's round. What the fuck? You know, like I can just see Becky just getting, he's like taking his morning shit and he's just like, what the fuck up and down? It's the like in he, and out. Yeah, like, exactly. The things like you're moving think. in toward the core of the planet because of gravity. That's the thing that affects you. What the fuck are you thinking of? You know, like I could just see this dude being like irritated with language. I feel this. I fucking feel this. Just the things he thinks thinks about in his off time. Like, that's oh, incredible. I love that. Right. Well, I'm going to interject here with, like, a real fucking fun thing that Bucky did. Okay. He, he created this thing called the Dymaxian Chronophile. That's I'm a gonna, word. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain Dymaxian later. It's just he made, like, he didn't actually make that word up, but he fucking loved it. So he started applying it to, like, everything. But it <laughs> wasn't like he started stole it necessarily from somebody somebody used it to describe what he was doing we'll get to it we'll get to it anyway so this dymaxian chronophile was conceived while he was in the navy as part of his job to like keep extremely detailed records but this version was all about him and possibly one of the least narcissistic ways i've ever you could possibly imagine okay like this wasn't about i'm so important this was just him making a record of a person that he had access to all the time he, this is the guinea pig bee shit where he's just like, okay, so, so here's what he did. He started it in 1920. And what it consisted of was basically a scrapbook, which contained copies of all correspondence, receipts, bills, notes, sketches, clippings from newspapers, letters he wrote to people, okay. like everything that he did. And he would make a note every 15 minutes. And he did this from 1920 to 1983. What the fuck? That, that was like a word for someone who's like a serial notebooker, and I can't remember what it is. No one it's, approaches this level of journaling. That's like... No one. Wow. Like this is... It gets weirder. The chronophile, because he died in 83, right? Yeah. So like, that's the only reason to stop then. <laughs> like, it's insane. Anyway, so the chronophile contains over 140,000 pieces of paper. 64,000 feet of film, 1,500 hours of audio tape, and 300 hours of video recordings. So that's just Bucky. 
that's just a person in this is just bucky yeah like this every is every 15 minutes for 63 fucking years yeah this is just a person in his mind for yeah try, trying to figure himself out and this yeah. this is how he used it because remember everything went wrong for him he started this in 1920 everything started going wrong for him in 1927 right well, anyway, this whole thing is cross-referenced alphabetically using 13,500 5 by 8 index cards. What? This motherfucker. He made an index system for his chronophile. It's amazing. I still can't get over it's, calling it. It's called a chronophile. Like, that's the... Right. Jeez. It's, come on. <laughs> How is this cyberpunk? Listen to that word. Chronophile. Listen to that word. Chronophile. Listen to Demaxian was chronophile. like all his shit just skipped right past the atomic age into like some other futuristic shit so that he didn't like, you know, it, it, yeah, it's like he was trying to do something that the technology did not allow but he it did not well, he yeah, did it anyway I, I, have a, I have a need for this and there is no mechanism for it yeah there's no like data cube that i could just rub against my forehead you know like it's no right <laughs> I, I couldn't hit a button on a little puck in my hand and speak into it and have it remember like hours of shit. No, he like this was effort. <laughs> like, God, imagine him on Twitter. Fuck. So after Fuller was on the bridge in Chicago, right when he received his whole fucking woo-woo. yeah, Valis, yeah, he he, he right <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Uh, he received the chron or he reviewed the chronophile from 1920 to that date and then he realized then that he had been most effective when working to benefit others oh so the story he tells about the ball of light and stuff could also just be like his fun way of trying to explain like this yeah instead because he didn't want to be like yeah i keep a record of every fucking 15 minutes <laughs> of my life like, even back then that might be a bit dorky you know it's just like oh, avoid that guy man it's fucked up uh-huh Hey, this I, motherfucker was live blogging way ahead of his time. Like, you know, I do respect like the idea of like self mythology. You know, like yeah. there's nothing wrong with. Well, this isn't even no. This isn't even that. This isn't even a hagiography. Like, this is literally a chronophile. Like, this is what happened, and it's yeah. dispassionately fucking kept. You know, he's not talking himself up in these journals. You can. All right, so like, Patreon goal. <laughs> we get we get to go to Stanford University. <laughs> yeah because the chronophile is archived there and it is it is said to be the most documented life in human history i believe it i would love to see that god they they said if you stack the papers it was like 200 feet tall or some shit like it was just ridiculous amounts of fucking shit like neil neil stevenson's like handwritten version of like you know that's which has always been this intimidating monster to me and then this thing like just shrinks it to nothing. you know like it's I, fucking nuts. yeah you know i got i didn't even get like halfway through cryptonomicon before i'm like my brain is bleeding like it's it's, it's so funny I though oh, it God. is but i'm like i can't like it's it just the idea i would i would look look like we're we're under this illusion that like like this one yahoo who wanted to like bring the dead back through their through their like internet social media presence no yeah, yeah, yeah. that has nothing on this because this is someone who took the time out to actually make to actually document a life you know and not like right. dumb bullshit and it, wasn't, it wasn't again i don't get the vibe that it was because hey it's me no, i'm great he wanted to do this as like a self-reflection to figure himself out like the yeah. amount of meditative this like this is this is meditative this is like religious in a way this is a, 
it's kind of a powerful brain yeah. to be able to have all of this shit and be able to organize it and everything else, you know, and, and still like this guy was popping until he died. Yeah. Like he was fucking up in it, just mixing it up left and right. Like we'll get into it. Though. All right. So like, anyway, back to the domes. It was right about the time of the domes. Like when, it, when the domes start working out for him that he just like, he goes straight up international. Like everybody knows who fucking Bucky Fuller is now. He's just the star. He's doing these buildings that look super futuristic and shit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is the beginning of the atomic age and stuff like that. And he had, he had thoughts about that. He figured after the nukes uh, existed, war was obsolete. So in, instead of uh, mm-hmm. weaponry, he called it something like lifery. Like he, oh, because he was yeah, but it, that that wasn't his worst one. But it was also kind of like I kind of like the fuck you of it. Yeah, you know, like kind of weaponry. Fuck a you, lot of people. You know? A lot of people thought that. Like the dude who I think who invented the Maxim machine gun invented it oh, to yeah. like you know. He thought it was. He thought end it was war. so terrible it would end war forever. Instead, it's kind of he prolonged it forever. But like it's like oh god, a lot of people had those thoughts though. Well, his <clears> his thing about the nuke though is that it would end all life. Yeah. Like there's, he, he talked about this like 20 minute window before, you know, between. Oh, so he was under no illusions. No, he knew like this is it. Like y'all fucked up. Yeah. This is it. Okay. Like you, you, you better get a handle on this or you're going to exterminate the entirety of the species, which is precisely who he was working for. Yeah. You know, he, he, he took this shit personally and like, hated it he just hated it he didn't like war to begin with much but because he would rather build shit like he was a good guy yeah <laughs> you know, like which is a rare historically speaking especially when we're talking this era you know but kind of why i wanted to cover it is just because yeah you don't hear too many inventors <clears throat> especially ones on the u.s dying because like we're mm-hmm. this is world war ii He's probably rubbing shoulders with like fucking ex Nazis and shit after the war. Yeah, and it's and I'm just tired of hearing Kissinger's fucking name. Exactly. Like this is someone who legitimately cared, and you know what? He never invented a fucking gun. He invented a mobile home. Yeah, essentially. Like yeah, it, it, in a, I in can a imagine real cool car and some other I shit. I can't like, imagine yeah. how pissed he was after the war though, because we got. I mean, yeah, we, we dropped fucking two atomic well, bombs, and he saw that shit for what it was, but also like the other weird, awful, shady shit we were doing. Oh sure, like what? Sure, you know it. Yeah, I can't imagine. I I can imagine how pissed he was. I really can. Oh, super. Like, and and it just set the fucking fire under him more. You know, like the guy just hit turbo at this point. He 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 started lecturing at uh, North Carolina State uh, University, where he met James Fitzgibbon, Fitzgibbon, who would go on to be director of Geodesics Inc. and Synergetics Inc. Those, Uh, and then there was like mm, that sounds familiar. Yeah, well. Yeah, and then there was Thomas C. Howard. He would be the lead designer, architect, and engineer for both companies. Like he started assembling like his adventures. Like God, you know. Like, and then there was uh, Richard Lewontin. He provided Fuller with computer calculations for the lengths of the dome's edges. Like wow, he was bleeding edge in 1948. Yes, yeah, you know 1949. Like this, this stuff is heady. You know, it's, um, it, given during that period of time, your average computer is yeah, the seriously. size of a fucking warehouse. Well, a lot of this was going on too, because it's like America. This is our golden age after the war, mm-hmm. and a lot of that was going on to the point where, and I guess I complain about. I think I've complained about this in previous episodes where now nothing has a look to it. And back then, they were still trying to right. figure out, like, like I said, the atomic age. Well, like, well, what does that look like? And they actually oh, atomic era stuff, Art Deco. Fucking, they had people like, some really cool invent, shit going on. People to invent the future for them, basically. And oh, yeah. it's 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 dudes like this who like 
maybe not he didn't do like aesthetic designs but it was just the idea of like we will pay you government money to tell us what the future looks like basically yeah and we don't get that very often because now we have assholes like musk but they aren't really like on the government you know what i mean well, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like we, we talked about like back, I think it was like the plant obsolescence. And then there there was that story about how like, it was like when MCI like kind of cut, you know, AT&T off at the knees yes. to be like, yeah, mm-hmm. oh, you can't be a monopoly. And, and this is the thing. What we learned from that is that every every time you get a monopoly, it, it holds back. It's regressive. It holds back progress. Yeah. Like we should be flying past this stuff and becoming more efficient. But it's like, nah, we already built a fucking thing. And we got to keep using it till it stops working. Like, yeah, it's all short term. Like, I don't want to have to do anything because it's going to cut into my 500 fucking billion, yeah, billion dollar yacht kind on, of shit. Like a financial, spiritual, like societal level. And like, so no progress. Ever ha- so no progress ever happens right. ever. Yeah. And, and, you know, people like adapt to their surroundings, but some people can't see past them. And it's like, I get that. Mm-hmm. You no, know, I really get that. You know, and it's it's if you lived in like a depressed area or like you're just yeah. disadvantaged some for some reason, man, it fucking doesn't seem like there's any way out. Oh, of buddy, I'm I'm there now. Like, I, I'm no, I know, <laughs> you know, like, it, you know, and, and, and yeah, it's like sometimes you can leave it. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you, you still have to be able to like. Can't. So it's like it's right. It's I enjoy these stories of like from a bygone age of optimism. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, and he was even an outlier. You know how like you know how like H.P. Lovecraft was called out as a racist in the time in that time. Yes, like this guy was literally the polar opposite. Like, he's, <laughs> he was like, yeah, he, oh, yeah. He he wrote something in one of his books about like a, like a chapter about Einstein. Okay, and the publisher was like, we don't know enough about Einstein to know if you know anything about Einstein, mm-hmm. so we can't say that you know anything about Einstein. So Bucky went, well, Einstein's teaching down here. Why don't you send him a copy? Let's see what he says. Oh so so then he goes and they they have lunch, and just- Einstein's straight up like, no, you get it. It's just that I didn't think there was any practical application of that aspect of what I was talking about. Wow. Yeah, so like this guy wasn't a moron, you know, and he he was and he was cool with people. Like I don't think he had any like real enemies. He might have had a couple people who just were nemesis, as probably you know, like yeah, yeah. fat Bucky, you know, those kind of dicks. But like, it seemed like he was just able to step into a room and hang out. I mean, that's incredible. Like, he got along with Einstein. Like, yeah, they had lunch. It's fucking badass. Yeah, you could just hang out. So you could just go to Princeton and hang out with Einstein at one point. Yeah, like, and that's what it was because it was so close. He was just like, yeah, let's just drive up there and go fucking talk to you. You know, like <laughs> so. By 1954, he was working with architect Shoji Sadao, mm. and by 1960, they were collaborating. <laughs> oh, I love this so much. I love this so much. It makes an appearance in Stand on Zanzibar. No shit. They were collaborating. They were collaborating on a hypothetical dome over <laughs> Midtown Manhattan. <laughs> that was that would be that would be three kilometers in diameter. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love that fucking oh my god. It's a gift that keeps giving. <laughs> that just made one of my favorite books even better. Oh my god. Really? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I and like this was like yesterday I learned this kind of shit. You know, god. like it wasn't even like I didn't even make the connection knowing about <laughs> both things. You know, like I So they came up with this Okay, okay. Tell me why, because it's it's like the book does not paint it as a smart idea. No, no, and that's why they never did. Because like the idea was, it was like the hot air would keep it suspended in the book, right? And then, and then this, yeah, it was just everyone like, just sweated constantly because you're just breathing each other's right. air. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? Buck, you probably got a kick out of that. Probably. 
he probably was like, no, you're not wrong. You know, like that would do that if you tried that shit. However, together they co-founded Fuller and Sinal Inc. Because this motherfucker, if he's not inventing something, he's building a company for it. You know what I mean? Like, Fuck he's it, just, why not? Like, And their first gig was to design the large geodesic dome for the U.S. Pavilion at Expo 67 in Montreal. Wow. Now known as the Montreal Biosphere. I don't know how to pronounce it. Wojaks can yell at me about that later. <laughs> Say it again. It's spelled Montreal Biosphere, but I had a French teacher in high school who swore to me that Montreal was pronounced Montreal. And I was like, you that's know, wrong. that might be true. I think that's wrong. I've never. Well, no, they might not that's be, but I don't know. Not that that's so. Help me, Wojax. You're my only hope. Um, <laughs> Token Canadian so, Wojax. I, yeah, hey, man. I mean, he's. When we finally put together like a, like a, like a episode list and in, in spreadsheet for this, it would be like. Wojax mentions will be its own column. <laughs> Pretty much. Like, I mean, I kind of have to. He he knows he has a sword, you know. I don't want to mess with him. Fuck yeah, you're messing with that. He gets it. So from there, he would teach at several universities. Okay. Such as Southern Illinois University, Carbondale, University of Pennsylvania, Bryn Mawr College, Haverford College, Swarthmore College, and the University Science Center in Philly. So motherfucker had it. She's damn. That makes me makes me happy to think. Anyway. Um, and Fuller like believed in renewable energies way ahead of the group. Like he, when that, yeah, like way back, like fifties, uh, sixties. Oh wow! Uh, this is back when people he, were talking about. Yeah, we should totally use nukes under mountains. It'll be fine. We were still using leaded gas. Yeah, that's. <laughs> you had people trying to figure out what are the practical applications of a nuclear device. Maybe we could blow mountains up with it. What's funnier is that like the people who were exposed to it the most now run the country. So it's like, oh yeah, how's that working out? Anyway, um, that's great. He, that's that's what was his, wait. Hold on, I'm still hung up on the renewable energy thing. What was his idea for yeah. renewable energy? Like, he hoped for an age of omni successful education and sustenance of all humanity. Because like that's his, so he, he, he ran I the like, numbers. I like those words. Well, he ran the numbers, and he was basically like one gallon of gasoline does not generate like the wealth for the user no it's inefficient as fuck like right yeah he's like all, he, he, he did he did he ran some numbers on this shit and he was just like this is all fucked up you know like wow um and, and he was like well he he was like we can reuse some of this waste material like for other stuff and we could put it here and put it there like he was the guy that really started not just talking about recycling and turning a plastic bottle back into another fucking plastic bottle he was just like well let's take the shreds and like mash them all together over here now hey look at that brick you know like does that work i don't know let's try it out that's like real recycling not the dumb shit they do now where most of recycling is like a weird scam a lot of a lot of times like he he, he was saying that at the time humanity was only recouping like five percent of what they spent yeah, so uh, he wanted to get that up to fifteen in his lifetime. It, oh, it does make me feel better that like he did the math to the thing we all kind of knew, mm-hmm. you know. And this gets into like that synergetics idea, which is basically a way of looking at the world through multiple systems and how they all interact. Because he believes in the interconnectivity of all things, you know. And it's it's foolish not to. Beautiful. Yeah, I mean, some of his stuff. Yeah, you remember, I, I mentioned him like on the Biosphere 2 episode, and this is why we're doing this now. Um, because like I want to kind of go back to how this started. Okay. And it really did start with Bucky, yeah. <laughs> like in a lot of ways. And Synergetics was the book that like 
the guy who ran the theater of all possibility cited as his primary influence on like biosphere two and like getting his weird little theater troupe cult together. To it, it's it's definitely like synergetics does remind me a bit of Scientology where it is almost like a, <laughs> what sounds like a religion, it but it really isn't. does. Yeah, it's not. It's well, no, man, we're, I don't know. It might, this, it, this is just going to be a single episode. I think, I think we're going to, I'm making that call right here Yeah, at, no. at the hour mark. Yeah. Uh, cause I think we can get through this, uh, because I, I, I want to get to that stuff. Like, um, anyway, he was also into like repurposing waste and believe that, you know, well, yeah, it's like what I just said here, like as used as a transportation fuel by people commuting to work, it resent represented a huge net loss compared to their actual earnings. Did he, you know, did he just, fucking, did he like it predict remote work? Too yeah, pretty much, he was a fan of it. I mean, dude, dude loved radios. He loved them. T- TV had to have fucking just blew. He had to have just be mine. Yeah, because he like looked like was it was like the first time I put on like like the fucking like modern VR goggles. I was like, oh, it's not the Matrix, but goddamn it, yeah, like oh, so cool. Bucky with a VR goggle, like it's or just anything where he would have been like. Why do oh, dude, he was like that with everything though, man. He, he like, you know, been like, why do we go why are you guys going to the office? What the fuck's wrong with you? Well, you gotta understand too, like for a few years, like early on in the 20s and stuff like that, he had this like oh god. It was called his Dymaxian sleep. And Excuse what he would do me. is Yeah, he'd stay awake for like six hours and then sleep for 30 minutes and then stay awake for six hours and then sleep for 30 oh, minutes blood, and then work I've for just... for like <laughs> For like two years, he did this shit for two years, and the only reason he stopped was because it was like his sleep schedule wasn't on par with his business partners. Oh, and it also, you know, may have driven him insane. No, he to his dying days promoted it. It worked for him, and it, even like when he was in his eighties, he'd he'd only sleep like five seven hours a night tops tops. That's not I mm, I don't know. The dude was a dynamo. He literally he, like yeah. he just had this endless energy, fucking yeah. wellspring of like curiosity and ability. That was the thing. Like he was able to discipline himself enough to like learn all of these different things in a way that he wasn't learning. He wasn't a specialist. Like he yeah. was a like in well omniist, I guess you know. Like if you want to do it, like he he wasn't worried about the final product. He was worried about the process in making it. He was worried about where it was going to get its like stuff from, you know, its source of fuel and its raw materials and what that was going to hmm. do to the surrounding area. Like he thought it back several steps because he wasn't a lazy piece of shit, like pretty much, I don't know, everybody running everything. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, like, this is like the kind of shit oil companies would try and suppress. You know what I mean? Like, because he thought 100%. about this, like he did yeah. all the research saying you're all wrong, <laughs> essentially. Well, they- yeah, they, they probably hated his I'm shit. I'm sure they did. He, he had a good quote. He's like, there is no energy crisis. There is only a crisis of ignorance. This motherfucker Fuck, would like throw down. Man. He he would roast you. You know what I mean? Like, I like Yeah, he had anyway, like, oh, go ahead. Yeah, so this this is where we start merging with the biosphere stuff a little bit. All right. By, it was like at the dawn of the space race that he coined the term spaceship Earth. Mm, and uh, i'm sure listener you have heard this before yeah and he can he considered all people as astronauts oh yeah because he's like oh yeah you want to you want to put a tin can up in space hey motherfucker we got this operating one that's actually moving through space fucking rockets on it let's go 
No, it doesn't even rock. It's like, let's just make it livable. Can we just do that? Literally, all Fair we have enough. to do is clean the room, and we already got the thing. We have the thing. God, that's like, this bed was too practical for, like, a capitalist, like, any society, really, I'm going to well, say, because they were all, like, any bullshit, power-hungry system, yeah. no matter what it is, capitalist, Soviet, whatever the fuck it is. They're worried about borders and yeah, ethnicities, and this motherfucker's like, yo, bitch, we're on literally, like... Yeah on a rock flying through space. Like literally that is what is happening and we can make it work or we can kill all of our, each other. Yeah. Like, you know, like yeah. kill everybody. Cause like they, we have the ability to do that at this point too. And that's where he's just like trying to bring this, this sense, this mm-hmm. awareness, you know, and by the seventies, he was convinced that the accumulation of relevant knowledge combined with the quantities of major recyclable resources that the earth had already been, like uh, that had already been extracted from the earth um, had attained a critical level such that competition for necessities had become unnecessary. Hmm. Like to him, cooperation had become the optimal survival strategy. As a, I mean, as a species humans, we do that. Yes. Like that. He's not wrong. Yeah. But like also like our resources are, we also just aren't doing it. Yeah. We're just not our resources becoming minimal just because we're just not like we expend more energy to harvest the thing than the thing itself. Oh, I, man, I used to have these moments, um, which is like kind of part of my mental illness where like I, when I was working as a machinist, I'd have to put a micrometer on like a roll, you know, just to measure its width. Mm, fun. And then, well, yeah, but then I would spiral out into wondering if I was ever getting like, the true reading because of <laughs> air pressure. Yeah. And then like, they had to explain to me how standards worked. And I'm like, but how do we know that the standards are accurate? Because like, once you take them out of the climate controlled room, they may expand or contract based upon. And they were just like, and this is why I was a bad machine. <laughs> you were just thinking a little bit yeah. too outside the box, but that's, but that's like a function, I guess, of like our, our society, my education, whatever, because we, that's what we do now. Like we just try to add steps to things that already exist to look busy. We've been trained yeah. to look busy. Mm-hmm. We've been trained to like iterate and iterate and iterate instead of innovate. And it's I mean, it's literally what Bucky was saying his he has one quote about work that really resonates yeah. with with me. It's uh God, I'm gonna butcher it, but it's the idea of like what like the idea that well, you don't need a fight, like what's this whole thing with having a career, you know? It's like how many people are whittling away, like we have a j- inspector to inspect the inspector to inspect the inspector, and it's yeah, like how many things are just not being invented because you're too busy doing jobs that don't matter, basically. Like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's just that where it's just the same. It's just dumb bullshit. No, that reminds me. There's this book. I think it's. I think it's David Graeber that wrote it. It's called Bullshit Jobs. I might be wrong, but I need to read that. <laughs> like it keeps coming up. It just keeps coming up in like weird combos here and there. And I was like, bullshit jobs. Yeah, I've had so I mean, I would be okay with, bu- I'm not with the bullshit anything. job if we actually had like, you know, pay and pensions like we did back in the day. But we don't even have that. So but, but he saw that that was like whittling your ability to think down. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like back in the day. And also he had this other quote too. He's like, selfishness is unnecessary and henceforth unrationalizable. Damn. Just such a it's fucking great. amazing word. I had to practice it. What a great way he to said, science, th- like, to be selfless into, like, yeah. like, that's great. I love that. Yeah. I think this dude was, like, the closest thing to a true altruist we've ever seen. I think so. Yeah. You know. Like, I'm sure in history yeah, it, there has been people, sure. like, you know, if all our religious figures were real. But, like, this is actually yeah. somebody who really is selfless. He walked the fucking walk. He did. Yeah. Like, 
literally. So, you know, and, and he criticized this is I like this. <laughs> oh. He criticized previous utopian schemes as too exclusive. And he thought this was a major source of their failure. He's not wrong. To work, yeah, to work, he thought that a utopia needed to include everyone. And yeah. so, because this idea of utopia wasn't a floating city, even though he did design one. You know, like they, well, Look up the plans for it. It's that. pretty dope looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, a Triton city. It's fucking dope. Oh, but like... Well, it's It It doesn't help. But he... Oh, he well, yeah, he... Man, he was like the first guy to be like, yo, we're going to start flying over the poles. And he was like, doing this at the time of dirigibles. Wow. And that shortened flights yeah. drastically. Because he's like, yeah, why not? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's not it's, wrong it's about... Faster to go here. Exactly. Like, he's, he wasn't wrong about the utopia thing, too, because a lot of these ideas of utopia in um, uh, modernist thought like these ideas oh, came out of like italian fascism which was always like weird yeah. so it, he's not like no you include everybody or shut well, the fuck at, up like right look at fandom <laughs> look at gatekeepers you know like it's, exactly it, it, all these thoughts were kind of like fascist adjacent you know yeah. so it's a like, key sorrow through it and i appreciate that yeah and it was with this like inclusivity in mind that he made some really cool shit like we mentioned you know the geodesic dome yeah it's very cool you'll know what they look epcot center this the, the sphere yep. is is a basically that's that's it that's exactly what he made you know it was just like crazy freestanding except that's like a sphere and not a hemisphere which is typically what that's what he started with but it turned out yeah you know you can make a whole the expo 67 thing is a is a, is a damn near like a giant bubble yeah around this fucking building inside of it it looks really goddamn cool you know that, <laughs> like i now want to go to montreal and see this motherfucker yeah, because it looks cool. dope as shit it also raises the question too of like why are we just not like making buildings with these now mm-hmm. so now we have them why aren't we like utilizing them well we'll get it okay well, part of the first thing was uh, when he was with uh, his father-in-law, Mr. Hewitt, mm-hmm. or Hewitt, Hewitt they, uh, when they had their failed um, uh, little, like... In the 20s. I don't know how. Yeah, the thing of the 20s that, that collapsed. Yeah. Like, basically, the idea was they were basically boxed out by other home builders because they were terrified of the idea of an easy to install home. Like they, oh, they wanted to like, boy, doesn't that sound order, familiar? You frame, you put them, yeah. 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 They boxed them out. Like it wasn't, and it was like, also, you know, the fucking economy is just imploding. Well, they're the probably competing too. with actually, oddly enough, cause I brought up the Sears catalog home. They're probably actually competing with Sears. <laughs> like, That's yeah. They don't say it, but there's like a pretty good, there's a pretty good chance. Like, so, um, yeah, so where was I? Oh, yeah, yeah. Now we have the fun one. We have, and this is where I get to explain a word. Okay. <sighs> so in 1933, dear listener, please imagine 1933. Your average car on the road is the boxy little fucking Model Ts and whatnot. <laughs> okay. Okay. Remember? That's all it is. It's a, it's a fucking, you just, you got, you got like yakety sacks playing, and it's just this like, too many frames per second footage of these cars driving through cities and dust kicking up and it's all there's no street lights they hadn't done that yet they got a cop maybe standing in what some of the intersections and stuff like that i mean this is still new york city and there's a shit ton of roads and then this motherfucker he makes this thing called the dimaxian car oh my god and it doesn't look like any of that shit (laughs) it's fucking it's so awesome um dimaxian by the way was invented it was a term invented by by these two admin at marshall fields in chicago oh shit because 
they were doing a homes of the future thing. Of course they were. Like, well, he did this again. He did the home thing again later. And it was like, they came up with the term and he just loved it. He was like, oh, fuck, I'm going to use it. And it was like the goal of the idea of maximum gain of advantage from minimal energy input is kind of huh. Dymaxian is dynamic maximum tension. He was really big on tension is, is instead of support, you know what I mean? Instead yeah. of something holding something, he was more about it all pulling itself so it stayed tight. Yeah, you don't use a pillar, and, you just let it be free. Like everything, the whole thing support its own weight. Right. And they, and they called this thing like the Dymaxian car, but it wasn't considered by Fuller to be a fucking automobile at all. Interesting. Like, this was not his plan here. Okay. He This was rather the, quote, ground taxiing mode of a vehicle that might one day be designed to fly, land, dry off, drive off. Like, it could just take off, fly if there's a traffic jam. <laughs> he was literally thinking of flying cars. In 19 motherfucking 30. Shit. Like, this cat was so far ahead and Jules Verne wanted to ride in this motherfucking thing. Like oh my God. all literally like all these people, like? like a boat. Uh, it, like if you turned, if you turn a boat upside down, like, you know, those like, like those really like slick wooden Italian ones that you always see in movies where there's like a boat chase in Italy. Okay. They're, they're made out of like that really nice, like just stained and polished dark wood. Yeah. They're very like, if you flip that over, <laughs> And then you put like windows on the front. It's kind of what this looked like because he was a nautical dude and his whole thing. Well, like, all right, we'll get into it. Like in its initial state, even Fuller noted that it could not be made available to public without considerable improvements. Like he made it aerodynamically like it was designed for fuel efficiency and its platform featured this chrome alloy steel hinged chassis, a rear mounted fucking V8 engine. This thing could hit over 100 miles an hour. Wow. And front wheel drive, but it only had three wheels. There were two in the front. There was the drive and then one in the rear, which could steer like a boat with a rudder or <laughs> a bird or a plane. That was your yaw. That's all he saw it as. And it could lock at 90 degrees. So this thing had a crazy turning like radius. It would do shit like it would cause like like in public, it would just stop traffic. People would be like, the fuck is that? Yeah, it's just caught and, in the air. When he would go and the, he, he would drive like a circle around the cop and then keep driving. <laughs> like he, like, yes, see this assholes. Yes, see this. Yeah, you know, he's a Navy guy. This makes sense. And it's kind of brilliant. <laughs> it had some problems, though, with like lift and whatnot. But it was no joke like this. Oh, man, it's amazing. So shortly after the first prototype was revealed, like on October 27th, 1933, Fuller let this race car driver like take it for a spin and it was it was hit by a, another car driven by the chicago south park commission oh, no. killing killing the driver who's a guy, kid named turner uh, he was like this famous race car driver and it, it didn't kill him from the impact it killed him when it rolled over and like he, he didn't have a good roll cage designed it was not meant to roll over you know what i mean yeah. like he didn't think that far ahead but it was a canvas covered roof framing. The two passengers that were with him were like seriously injured. One of them was thrown out and landed on his feet. Oh shit. And when they hit each other, they were both going 70 miles an hour. Shit. So this wasn't like a hand cranked slow ass shit. This was like a collision. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, you know, and it rolled, you know, the Demaxian car. So the commissioner's car was immediately illegally removed from the scene. And then the press would make no mention of this. Instead, going with headlines like freak car rolls over, fam killing famous driver, inter injuring international passenger. Right? 
But the court case found that the actual cause of the crash was the dipshit commissioner raising $70 to see the car. Yeah, he wanted to go see the Dimexian car and not the design of the Dimexian car itself. What's this dude going 70 like? I want to see it and then just slams into it. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, like Bucky likes this thing. This thing could fit a fucking 11 people in it. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's It was nuts. Like this is this thing is the precursor to the Landmaster from Damnation Alley right? on so many different levels. Uh, he, but, he, like he, the, here's the thing. Like when when Fuller, like this is 1933. Okay, yeah. so like rockets exist, but like space rockets don't exist. Yeah. It's more like, you know, it shoots in a straight line. You really hope it hits some kind of stuff. And um, he imagined like having basically like a four point jet takeoff system, like two in the front, two in the rear so that you can initiate flight mode years before anything, like before you'd even put a jet in a plane. Yeah. Oh fuck man. He's so he's, he literally yeah. think of like vertical takeoff already. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a quick little, and then the thing would take off and it was fucking fantastic. Like what a great idea. Right now. Um, prototype one would beat a track record in the Bronx and folks like didn't notice that, it won by over 50% increase in like it just smoked the previous record. Wow. It wasn't even close. But it it they noticed that it didn't drift. Like this thing just stuck to the fucking road hmm. and went on this oval track and fucking smoked. That was it. Because typically these cars would like kind of skid a bit, you know, like drift, sure. You know, like a you know, not this thing. And then uh hmm. later prototype okay. two. Um, he, they made three prototypes, and uh, prototype two he crashed with his uh, his his, his uh, second daughter, who's like uh, daughter Allegra in it. They both kind of came out of it with some bumps, but they were okay. Um, because that that one had like a better roll gauge, I guess. Um, or maybe it didn't roll over. I don't know. But like, but then there's only one of the uh, eventual three prototypes still exist, and I don't know where that is. Oh my god, we have to find I it. Look that up. I want to. I want to see that. Yeah. No, it's what you do so now we're going to go back to like the 40s again uh we got to talk about the dimaxian house um <laughs> it was a round structure it, it kind of had it kind of had like a muffin top it wasn't a dome okay it was like straight like sides okay. you know circular completely circular straight up big windows on every fucking room and then it had this like muffin top and then on top of that was this like little doohickey we'll, we'll get to that in a second but like all right it had it had revolving dresser drawers. Dope. So they would just like rotate open and close. Like I'm getting hard like 1950, like before 1950 science fiction is in the 40s, but I'm like getting like he had hard. the Dimaxian shower, which was a way to conserve energy or to conserve water, oh, which basically oh. it, it just hit you with a mist instead of a spray. Oh, well, you know what? Eh, you know, maybe it was effective. Might work. Yeah, I don't know. Might work. You get enough mist, you're good. There was also something called the Dimaxian toilet, and I just I kept forgetting to look it God up. God damn it. So, dear listener, <laughs> have fun Googling D-Y-M-A-X-I-O-N toilet. Um, uh, what is it, yeah, like yeah, rotator yeah. shits or something? Like I, Maybe it turns it into food. I don't know. Man. Like, this guy was really... <laughs> Just, I mean, it would be efficient if it turned into like some sort of fuel. Yeah, I, I feel like that's where it went. That would you know, like he had an idea. There a little conveyor belt, the bomb carrier turned out to like a place and burn it. Um, <laughs> But there was this little circular structure at the top of the house. You'd see these on buildings. There's like circular round ball vent kind of things. Mm -hmm. 
it was kind of like a smushed out version of that. And what it would do is it would rotate around a central mast because again, this thing was like a foot or two off the ground with a big circular kind of post in the middle. It, it would like let air get under it and stuff like that. And um, it would use natural winds to rotate this thing around and then circulate and cool the air, which I don't know. How I, this thing is like not aluminum. No. It's like it's like a diner in the 50s, you know, like those old fucking ones. Yeah, where it's like it's not bad. Like, yeah, but like super reflective and stuff like that, but also metal. Mm. And it's going to get hot. Yeah. You know, I can imagine like, man, I, I really wish like Fallout had like gone with these things instead of like what they did with the just regular looking houses. Yeah, it would have been it would have sent a bet very you, different message. There's got to be there's got to be some reference to Buckminster Fuller one of those fucking there has to be there has to be a mod at least like there needs to be something that mentions but then again it's a very dystopian future so maybe not but it's well no but then they did have like all those weirdly dystopian or like utopian things that were like they did yeah really kind of just natural nationalistic propaganda yeah it's really funny I think it's I think it's interesting the what was I going with this I think it's interesting the idea of just like a not wasteful home in like he tried on top of that, it was designed to be like lightweight, um, adaptable to windy climates. In fact, he really kind of hoped you went there. Hmm. Um, cheap to produce and super it simple. It sounds to like assemble. something we would use in space, honestly, the way you were describing it. It oh, sounds like something yeah. we'd use in like the Wayland Utani colony, you know? Oh, no. I mean, you, you, fuck, man. I mean, they, they could have used these on the moon, maybe. I yeah. mean, I, they weren't airtight, but I mean, this, this is a. He, he was making like kind of like these like platonic ideas yeah but they weren't finished yeah. he's like this is the thing it sounds like I just, this is what i have to yeah, do exactly he sounds like someone trying to do something with inadequate tool like the, just the tools he has with him and they suck like, he's frustrated at the stupidity of humanity it's like fucking oh. beethoven when he was a kid he was growing up and he had the like i forgot what the fuck it was called it was it was the thing before the piano and Harpsichord. A harpsichord and like it frustrated the piano? He, he yeah it was the harpsichord and he just could not i'm not gonna sign off on that statement he but, couldn't I mean, he I... couldn't fathom it like he just didn't and then he found then they oh the piano he was introduced to a piano and you know yeah went yeah, from yeah. there but it's kind of like that where it's like he just never had the right technology <laughs> like it just right. he, the world has not caught up with him no and, and you know what this thing had a shitload of pre-orders so many oh, people yeah. wanted this fucking oh, cool. thing. That's cool. And you know what happened? What? Company failed to produce them oh. due to management issues. Oh. Yay. It's always fucking management, isn't it? Anyway, I don't know if he ran this. Was he? Shit. I can't. Imagine. He, I mean, he did, but I don't know like what the. I couldn't imagine him as like a man. I can't see him like running a business. Like I know he had a shit ton of businesses, but like I couldn't imagine him managing one. Yeah, he did. You know, and he, he ran him well enough to get the thing he wanted made. I think that so, was like, the, really the end goal. I don't think capitalism was his thing, but he's like, assholes, I'm just giving you these bomb ass prototypes. The fuck you doing? You know, and he just fade out and start something new. Yeah, exactly. He just like, I just wanted to give them away. And yeah, like, so the, you jump up to 1967. You got Fuller working on a concept for an offshore floating city called Triton City. This one <laughs> is not a problem because they never built it um yeah no. <laughs> oh really yeah no but lb lbj thought it was really interesting but he didn't do anything about it he only included the models in his presidential library after he left office the models are pretty so cool. i'm not gonna lie so you you gotta go to lg or lbj library and um 
see it, I guess. Yeah, no, right it's it, it's pretty cool. Like the designs are, or oh, yeah, it, no, I, I believe it. Yeah, no, the designs are. It's uh, it's what you would want out of like a functioning utopian society. Like it's very green. It's very functional. It's you could tell he thought of everyone's fucking needs. It it, it, it could never be built. It's impossible. Yeah, no, not not with this crop. No, you know, like, like it could never happen. So like a couple years later, um, he began the Otisco project, which uh, developed and demonstrated concrete spray with mesh covered wire farms for producing large scale load bearing spanning what? structures on site without the use of pouring molds, other adjacent surfaces or hoisting. This dude is. <laughs> oh, listener, you have seen this every day. You have seen this somewhere, somewhere. Yeah, like you. This is they. This revolutionized like building. Like people still do this stuff. <laughs> like it's fucking nuts. And it, it, here's the thing: basically, it was a hemispheric geodesic structure layered with quarter inch wire mesh attached to the frame by twist ties. Oh, uh. so he, he makes this dome out of the frame of these 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 poles. Right? Okay. And then he has this mesh, you know, just kind of draped over the whole thing and kind of pushed down into the form. And then it's a very fine mesh. It's very small. And the concrete is bigger and heavier because it's got like stones and shit in it. Yeah. So they just, he developed a method to spray it. <laughs> like, it's like paper mache, but concrete. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Thank you. Yeah, that's I exactly mean, what it is. No balloon just did this shit, right? And then, you know, it would, they would do it like a light, you know, layer of it. And they would allow it to cure, and then it would support additional concrete as needed. You could make a whole fucking dome out of this thing. Because, like, once you set that initial layer, like, it gets stronger the more you put on it, weirdly. Wow. Um, so this would last. Right. And it initially, it used metal tubes in its frame, but because of difficulty setting doors and windows with this shit, because it is kind of tricky, you know? I'm sure. They were, they were swapped out for rebar. So he basically, like, yeah. I mean... Yeah. I mean, it's I mean, functional, at least. I, I don't know. Concrete's kind of like not the longest lasting thing. But you know what? No, no, but you can fix it. You can. And the dome underneath was probably, I mean, whatever. Like, these things weren't expensive to make. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. Like, you, you got you to flatten that? Okay. Go make another one. It's just going to take a week. There is something you know, like, like that's yeah, it. being able to cheaply produce a structure. Yeah. And Fuller, you know, he couldn't just call him something cool. He had to call him something awesome. Ferro concrete geodesic domes. <laughs> yeah, if this is like fucking... the future, then I don't know like what it is. Like so yeah. was he like in... Oh and, and these these domes were built up to three stories tall. Fuck. So he was kind of envisioning <laughs> envisioning people living in this, was he? Like oh, yeah. he, that's no, really... living, working. Yeah. Yeah. Th three stories? That's big. Yeah. That's that's like sixty fucking feet or some shit. I mean, that's it's not even maybe thirty something, but like still that's a lot. Um, and the you know these things were remarkably strong, and like the method was adaptable to make pyramids, cones, arches, <laughs> like so. You've seen this stuff like this, and you might not even know it. They might have put it like a really cool fucking facade on this stuff, or like the thing underneath. It's hard as shit. Um, this basically broke architecture wide open. And it uh, allowed for new firm, like new forms, just previously unthinkable. I can imagine. Hi, buddy. Aesop came down. Cool. So, keeping with the Dymaxian theme, uh, he made this thing called the Dymaxian map, and <laughs> this was a thing that he had designed with that. Co he was a co-cartographer with uh, Shoji Sadeo, and it was an alternate projection map designed to show the Earth's continents with minimum distortion on a flat surface. <laughs> it's like a series of kind what? of like 
triangles and diamonds. Yeah, if you look it up, it's really fucking cool. Um, and it, it, it factors into this next thing too, which is really cool. Uh, Fuller believed that the Earth, like he actually said that Earth was like one ocean, one island, and he thought this was the best way to show it. Because it is. All major water bodies of water are connected. I don't, you know, we're just dicks about fucking naming things. Yeah, pretty much. We, like we, we're just, you know, just land floating in water at this point. That's what he was so pissed off that people just wouldn't let go of these old ideas. Like he just, huh. he's like, it's fucking what you're thinking. You know, and it's like, really interesting on. too that like his politics weren't like weird or like he did. It didn't seem like he subscribed to anything either. I don't know if he had them. Yeah, because he was more just like he was like, uh, yeah. Like, are you doing the right thing? No, well, fuck you. I'm going to be busy off here fucking around yeah, that, making the Damaxine toilet. Yeah. <laughs> like, it does sound like he didn't. He just, his brain him down. was so big, much broader than that. Like, it, he didn't, he didn't get like hung up on one idea. Yeah. Or nations, you or know, theol- or like no. ways to run them. Like, I guess he wouldn't be yeah. interested in politics because he wasn't interested in nations. He was thinking of humanity as a whole. Yeah. Spaceship Earth. Yeah. Dude. You know, like, before he even called it that, he thought of it that way. Wow. And so, like, also in the 60s, um, Fuller developed the World Game, which was a collaborative simulation game played on a 70-foot by 35-foot Dymaxian map. <gasps> Motherfucker invented civilization, the floor game. <laughs> <laughs> the goal, the goal of the game was to get players to solve world problems, or in Bucky's words, quote, to make the world work for 100% of humanity in the shortest possible time through spontaneous cooperation without ecological offense or the disadvantage of anyone. Oh. Which is something I would love to have tattooed on. Yes. Uh, that's, that's, that's fucking No one spoke beautiful. like that back then. That's fucking like, No one speaks like, like that, that now. Like, it's... No. I mean, people couldn't handle that, like black people existed in the 60s or gay people like the idea that like right. this man is just existing in the sense that like it either works for everyone or we it that's it or we yeah, die like yeah, yeah. that's all it is this man did not hate anyone <laughs> like no. it's it's either it works for everyone or get the fuck out yeah. and that no he was incredible <laughs> and, you know i think it's important to hear about this shit from time to time especially these days because yes. <laughs> like like Right now we're recording this, and I'm thankful because otherwise I would be watching the Alex Jones deposition, <laughs> which I spent a good portion of yesterday uh, doing, and it's it's it hurt me a little bit, but it was super funny to watch like that happen. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty it's pretty great. I, I'd feel bad for Dario, but I can't. Nope. Anyway, um, if you know, you know. So so Fuller wrote a shit ton of books, uh, not the least of which was. Where did he find the time? that's where i want to go where did this man who's busy inventing like the toilets for six hours yeah he's sleeping for 30 minutes (laughs) right making notes in a book every 15 fucking minutes for his entire life He's inventing toilets from the year 3000 like i don't understand where he finds the time to write all the books and y'all don't understand how truncated this like (laughs) these notes are there's i'm i'm so hoping that you like look this dude up there's a and i i didn't include it i read it and it's amazing and you should look it up in high times robert anton wilson interviewed bucky and bucky oh my god was was really funny because there were a couple questions where he's like i don't have time for this shit kind of like it was really <laughs> with robert anton wilson 
yeah, these are like two of my favorite people. You know what I mean? Like, just in terms of like what they've written and how they think about things. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, so he just like they, they get along, but he asks this question. He's like, "That's a dumb question. Ask this question." And I'm like, "Yeah, you know." I'm like rooting for Bucky against Bob. It was great. It's a fantastic interview, though. It's oh, it's, where, it's like two very smart people having a good time. Like eventually, like where is it on? Circling each other and then in, it's in high times. Wow. Like from the night from the like. 70s or something i think this interview was like in the 70s or early 80s yeah and uh it's fucking wonderful it's it's just a great little piece of like back and forth between a couple fun dudes anyhow so like yeah fuller wrote a bunch of books like not the least of which was synergetics which is like his study of the systems of everything as well as like a new way of seeing the world is interconnected you know like i mentioned that he would say things like in it he, he just said universe instead of the universe and he would capitalize universe as a proper name um because he believed that quote the was like derived from theos which meant god and he couldn't see the point of being redundant when talking about like quote the aggregate of all humanity's consciously apprehended and communicated experiences i like how i like how the idea of divinity wasn't like functional enough for him yeah it was universe he gave it a proper name he's like wow this is what i'm talking about this is everything in us in it and we belong to it you know like if he had anything approaching religion that was that idea that you're in service to your fucking people yeah i mean and i I mentioned earlier like he coined the phrase world around to replace worldwide because a spheroid has volume but not width and wide (laughs) referred to a time when it was believed the world was flat and fuller held that unthinking use of obsolete scientific ideas detracts from and misleads intuition that's fucking crucial shit well i mean you know that's that's the thing where like everybody gets hung up on fucking wokeness but i'm like yo is there a better way of saying it yeah do that and move on because i got shit to do this is a man who just like is not nostalgic in any way shape or form like no he doesn't like have i mean rightly so he has no respect for like his the parts of history that aren't that don't work right yeah um Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like, like I, I mentioned this already. Like the term "dimaxian" was the admin. Um, they invented it in 1929, which is the worst possible fucking year for them to have done it. When? Because that was the 1929 was oh, when they coined the term "dimaxian," and that was like Great Depression. Oops. Yeah, know? no, um, no one's really thinking about like you know the year 3000 yet. And there's so much more. Like, I, oh man, like there's just stuff I'm not including because it's like as far as like fucking rabbit hoods holes go like this is a fun one look him up i didn't even mention like that much that he referred to himself as guinea pig b because he saw his entire life as an experiment or like you know the h5 thing you know like i just kind of threw that i wasn't those weren't in my notes yeah like that's that was just like i gotta throw that in there and um in 1983 fuller described himself thusly guinea big guinea pig b cold <laughs> i am now close to 88 and I am confident that the only thing important about me is that I am an average healthy human. Aww. I am also a living case history of a thoroughly documented half century search and research project designed to discover what, if anything, an unknown moneyless individual with a dependent wife and newborn child might be able to do effectively on behalf of all humanity that could not be accomplished by great nations, great religions, or private enterprise, no matter how rich or powerfully armed. Wow bad motherfucker Just dude fucking send it <laughs> send it it's good yeah like oh. he was 
just to see like I have nothing I have dependence but yeah. I want to see how much farther I can get in benefiting humanity than these institutions could <laughs> so to, to call your life a search and research project designed to discover what if anything an unknown moneyless individual can do you know like, that's yeah. that's so fucking wonderful it's honest that's such a that is well you know because it's not hyperbolic it's pride at the same it. time there is a little bit but like it's it's not even that it's that this was my principle and i stuck to yeah. it and how that must feel because later that year fuller died on july 1st 11 days before his 88th Aww. birthday i know it sucked and this is this one this one hurts uh during the period leading up to his death his wife his wife had been lying comatose in a los angeles hospital dying of cancer hmm. it was while visiting her there that he exclaimed at a certain point, she is squeezing my hand. He then stood up, suffered a heart attack, and died an hour later. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Aww. His wife of 66 years died 36 hours later, and they're buried together in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Yep. That's a... Aww. That's Bucky. What? I hope I conveyed, like, the massiveness of this person. <laughs> it's... Yeah, that's a good way to put it because there's so much. It's I left so much out. Like I <laughs> look, it, if I if I waited until I finished reading Synergetics, this this episode might come out in 2026. <laughs> I would have taken a while. Yeah, it's incredibly dense. But I mean, it you, it forces you, and it makes sense. But it forces you. Here, let me just open to a random fucking page. <laughs> Here we go. This is like pay, like right in the middle of the book. The, oh, but this brain fixing fixities conceptual interpretation of experiences permitted only by the infinitesimally short lifespan of humans and the thus far discovered historical magnitudes of universal history's events. As we stand, quote, fixedly, in quote, space at the terrestrial latitude most occupied by Earthian humans, we are revolving around the Earth's axis at 600 miles per hour. Together with our moon, we orbit around the sun at 60,000 miles per hour, which orbital speed is three times as fast as the Earth moon fairing, Apollo rocketed space vehicle, and all the while our solar system situated about three quarters of the way outward from the center of a celestial galaxy, together with all that inwardly, um, oh God, I lost my place because it's just, oh, active galaxies, billions of stars, are cosmically merry-go-rounding at approximately a million miles per hour. And all the while, we participate in all these motions. Our Milky Way merry-go-round galaxy itself may be, and is scientifically thought to be, involved in comprehensive motion at an even higher velocity. I mean, it's you knew what the fuck he was talking he's about. It's the movement of the spheres. Like he's and he's yeah, trying man. to break it down. Just you, he's trying to understand it and explain it. Yes, and not is like and. I don't know. He just he's like, I found this fucking cool thing. Why won't you look? At he's it? not even trying to do it through metaphor either. I find that interesting because like people have tried to describe no. the exact same thing. Like in mm -hmm. he's not trying to like he's not trying to hide it behind metaphor. Maybe he's just non-artistic person to do that. But he's just trying to explain it scientifically. This incredible yeah. fucking thing. He's trying to make it as plain as possible as he can. In a way. Yeah. In a way, like, and that's the thing. He he can perceive like the celestial, and that there's something probably past that. Yeah, that he can't measure yet. Like he was open to the idea of the massiveness of everything, but he was also like extremely like 
like he understood fractals before like we were talking about him on the regular yeah because he understood like the small like as above so below the complexity of like the spheres sure but also the complexity of a meatpacking plant mm-hmm. yeah talking payroll talking safety talking getting product in and performing on the product and packaging the product and get the product out make sure you get paid like in all the you know oh there's a bad uh herd this year we we're not getting as much meat you know like what do you do it's he understood all of these different like and it's not it wasn't just management it was just problem solving to him you know he didn't see it as like i'm going to be a manager no i'll take the job but here's what we got to do. yeah it's interesting that he applied that though to like everything yeah you know? everything. like that's just his entire how life. his that's just how his head worked yeah it's it's crazy that he's not like yeah, there's a lot, a lot. Some of your listeners know who this guy is. Yeah, you know, like for sure, for sure. But I, I'm just surprised that he's like not one of the big names. Kind of he's not. Around. He, he, it's oh, man. I found him by accident. Like he's not spoken yeah. about ever. I never heard of him until I read some Robert Anton Wilson. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Actually, like he's just yeah. not spoken I, about. I, I think because like his ideas are so it. His idea, He's, his ideas go against like the way our society is even structured. Like everything yes. about what he is is so it's utopian without the dumb bullshit. Well, he never saw money as wealth. He saw like experience and education and the ability to apply those things. He literally said like, just don't have a, like don't have a career, just learn and try and, learn and make, yeah, make something like try or, or you know, do something. God damn it subconsciously i must have been trying to like do some version of that except i was just i was like i was like the opposite i was like real bad at shit <laughs> i don't know i think we all like nobody wants that fucking job you know like it, it, it like i was really good at working at a record store very not good machinist um yeah, really enough you know, like yeah but you know what yeah, no. you win some you lose some and you, you learn from all of it you know what job i was really you know good I mean? at like to the point where oh, i even man. enjoyed it was i was a stock guy for a shoe store and I was so okay. good. I enjoyed it, but I was good at it. But, you know, you know, the way our society is structured, uh, they had to let me go because I was a temp worker. But point is, is like, it's, 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 it's yeah. uh, well, like your job isn't your life. No, you know, like it should, it, it sucks like, that well, you have I mean, to that, work. That was his of, yeah. It's like, he saw it, what it was, where it's like, you're going to work your entire life and then die. And you're yeah. not going to contribute yeah. anything to the, to the people you love or around you. Or to yeah. humanity as a whole, but also he's, he's saying this. But meanwhile, it's like so early in history where it's like everyone's like, you know, we have to fight the Ruskies. You know? Well, you know, sure is a good thing he didn't rely on the press. It's a sure, sure is a good thing that he wrote down one hundred and eighty thousand yeah. fucking notes. We would never sixty-five thousand fucking would never heard of. about him. We would have no idea what he thought. Like, I mean, the, well, he, like archi- I, there's a bunch of archi- like architects will bring him up. Yeah, um, actually, yeah. and sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, some will say he's like a crackpot, but like he was a fun crackpot. He wasn't a dick, no. you know, like that much, you know, like, oh, yeah, I stole the dumb idea, whatever. You know, I think he kind of came clean. About I don't that think he even. Re- yeah, I think what he did it, he didn't really. Remember. But I don't. Yeah. Or, or he, he at least would have been like, wow, how, how bizarre, you know, like that's fucking crazy because I I don't see him as acting in bad faith. No, like he was always full bore jet turbo leaning into like trying to make this mess he made for himself work. And that's admirable. Like that's, I fucking, I can't really find much controversy about the guy. There probably is something out there, but like, I don't want to talk about it right now. Yeah, I've Everything never is so I've 
heard anything, but everything is so fucking shitty. He's not known as a shithead, and he was too busy, I think, to be a shithead. Yeah. Also, you know, a fun thing to do is like look up. They got some of his seminars on YouTube. Uh, they're very enjoyable. If you get like some of them have bad audio because they're so fucking old, but like, yeah, like check this dude out. He's a lot of fun. He's fun in that like Alan Watts sort of way where like you kind of wish somebody had given Alan Watts like a Coca Cola with cocaine in it <laughs> or some uh, like a jazz cigarette before he started talking, you know, like, but it, you know. Or at least you had a jazz cigarette before Alan Watts started talking. But it's it's that kind of thing where he's a very good speaker. He's very intriguing, and he, he, you lean into it a little mm-hmm. bit because um, he's got really good fucking ideas. And I'm willing to bet that there is a web hosted version of the World Game, like Buckminster Fuller's there has World to be. Game. Somebody must have. <laughs> I can imagine though, like it's just what is it like a massive board game? Basically, they just play on the floor. It's like like seventy by thirty five. Fuck. You stand on your spot, you know, like and the Dymaxion map itself looks cool. It's very triangular and shit, you know, like it's all just unfolded triangles because he was never trying to make a sphere. He was always trying to make like the closest thing to a sphere possible. Yeah, that was structurally like he didn't like he didn't like the number pi. <laughs> Like he he had a he had a, that's if he had a beef with anything I think it was like I, I think that guy mentioned that he like yeah he didn't like the number pi that's why he just dealt with angles. <laughs> that's fucking understandable. Awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, and I, I forgot to mention it was like in ninety two or something like that ninety one ninety two ninety six maybe. Uh, these scientists made like one of the largest carbon molecules. That, that was like cool. Well, it was like a dodeca icosahedron kind of motherfucker. Like it, it's like visible by the naked eye, huh. you know. Damn. And they won the Nobel Prize for it, and they called it the fucking like fullerene or, or like. There's a tons of fullerenes, um. But like this was this was the buckyball. This is the thing that they called the buckyball. Oh, in fact, really, the only negative thing I could find about Bucky um, at all was that there was this toy that you'll remember from not too many years ago. That had little marble balls and like little metal like posts and you could like make structures out of them and they would hold together. But then kids started getting them. They'd swallow the magnets and then the magnets would get stuck and they wouldn't be able to take them out because like you got to kind of cut in otherwise because if you have like you could stick a piece of metal on the outside of your belly and it would like damage your fucking organs. Yeah. So oops. But the, the company started calling it buckyballs like you'd be able to buy them at those like weird science centers that every city seems to have where they're like. Yeah, this is the science yeah. place, but it was like kind of a theme parkish kind of thing with a big gift shop, and like they stopped selling. Like I think they don't exist. Like I think you can get them, but they because they were being marketed as a toy, they had to rechange it. Yeah, like, oops. Put in, yeah, put it in like Spencer, you know. I mean, catalogs yeah. or Sky Mall or something. For I mean, like that's not surprising. The discerning, the history of toys in this country. It's kind of like, eh, that's not his fault. Though. Yeah. Yeah, so that's all right. So there it is. There's there's parts one and two. <laughs> Bucky Fuller just done as one. Um, yeah, we'll be back. We will. Uh, we're probably going to find. Yeah, we're going to slap something together for you next week, too. Uh, we are. We're still here. Yeah. We're still doing this. It's just, you know, everything's kind of in flux right now. It, it happens. In the world, it happens. It's fine. You know, y'all take care of yourselves, you know, Please. take care of each other and shit. Um, uh, the next time I dip back into this, we're just going to talk about the cult that was influenced by Buckminster Fuller. 
Yeah, yeah. And then they went on to make Biosphere 2. <laughs> okay. Yeah, all right. Oh, we're taking a... This is such an arc. It's insane. Oh, um, I knew. And, and, and there'll be a special appearance by Steve Bannon. So, like... What? Yeah, it's fucked up. Anyway. <laughs> uh, we can't... God damn it, rating like yeah, that. That's how you tease them. And that... that <laughs> I don't know when I'm going to get to that episode. Yeah. I got to do a bunch more. Like I got to watch a couple documentaries. Yeah, no, we got to figure out where we're, we're we're working on stuff. You know. Yeah, we're we're constantly working on stuff. We're we're just we're like too scattered right now to schedule certain things. Yeah. So we're just kind of winging it for a few episodes, but hopefully, you know, we're bringing enough like crunch to it. You know, enough research, enough jokes that like it's cool. Yeah, we like, want you to enjoy this. Cool. So. Right. Yeah, this isn't a chore. And we don't want it to be for you to listen to or for us to prepare. No. So, you know, that's that's where, despite of the fact that I only had five hours of sleep last night. Yeah, oh, I've, lucky I've, you. You had, you had five hours. Yes, but I've also had two NOS energy drinks and uh, I'm floating two feet above my desk. There's I'm enveloped in a giant white light. It's saying that you don't belong to yourself. You belong to universe and you need to serve man. Preferably medium well. <laughs> I was going to cut it there, but I, hey, we have. Yeah, I was going to say we have plugs. Also, I like how you get managed to work like cannibalism still in there. Every. <laughs> it's my policy. Uh, don't eat your neighbors. Bucky wouldn't have liked. No. Bucky would not have liked, liked you to eat your neighbors. Right. Yet. Anyway, so. <laughs> we're on. We're on some stuff. Yeah, we're on the Twitters. On the Twitters. We'll, We'll interact with you on the Twitters. Yes. Um, so we're on that. At Neon Dystopia, yep. at L0W-L1F3-T-H-E. Yep. What else? Yeah, we got a Facebook group. Look, I'm checking it out here. We now. do. We have a Facebook page. Uh, Neon Dystopia has a Facebook page. You could like it, I guess. Uh, the best way is yep. just to go to neondystopia.com and peruse our many, yep. many, many, many articles. Uh, yeah. What else? We have a video drone is our discord. Yes. You can find shadow link there. You can find all of us there. And uh, we have a great mm -hmm. little community. Uh, yeah. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash neon dystopia. Drop us a dollar if you are so inclined. Yeah. And uh, what else? Uh, hey, yeah, we still got a low life crap shop, but we haven't looked at touched any of that stuff. It's there. Uh, I don't I don't know if it's made any money, but uh, yeah, nice. No, I, I got a nice t-shirt out of it. Fuck it. But uh <laughs> steal the, the, the JPEG and you know yeah. do do whatever. Puck put it some, up. Put some letters fuck. and numbers together. I don't care. God, get get a printer that makes its own iron-ons. We'll send you the fucking logo. Seriously. Um God. What else? Uh, uh oh yeah, 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 yeah. I did coin ups, DJ. Uh, yes, may have already you have just been listening to it all uh, before this uh, aired and dropped. Um, that's at mixler.com slash coinops dash McGillicuddy. I think if not, the link's going to be below. Um, it's pretty chill. What else? I enjoy it. Um, there is oh, my, usually yeah, usually sometimes yeah. Saturdays if I if they start before nine o'clock um, Eastern Standard Time, that means I'm working out some issues. <laughs> Like that's I'm going through something. Okay, you get that. Like yeah, it's, yeah. It's not a necessarily a narrative, and it might be jarring transitions, but goddamn it. But if it's like a nine to twelve, then I'm just gonna be kind of cruising through some stuff, yeah. playing some weird. That's no, a lot of fun. Either I way. think this this weekend, I think I'm gonna play tracks that, according to Serato, I have not played yet. 
exclusively. So it's going to really fucking force me to uh, figure out a new way to sort these songs. Um, yeah, yeah, hang in there. Yeah, uh, that's all I got to say. Yeah, be be good. Yeah, you know, like meet Valis. Fucking yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't jump off a bridge. Don't. God damn it! What a dumb thing to do. Um, and uh, I already had my good ending earlier before we did our sofas. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm gonna just end it with this bad ending where I just ramble mm-hmm. until yeah. I don't. Sh- yeah. Podcast.